Masechet Ketubot, Daf Sadi Aleph. We're continuing our discussion of this interesting case where a husband is married to a wife number one and she dies, and then he marries wife number two and then he dies. So he has two payouts that he's responsible for, his estate is. Um, he, when he died, his estate was responsible to pay the wife as she was alive, the ketubah. If she died before the ketubah is collected, then the sons have a right to collect the ketubah, and that is a collection as a loan and has a lien on the property, this has this uh, has priority. However, there is also the Ketuvat Benin Dichrin, which is in the Ketuvat, the stipulation that even though when she dies first, so the husband inherits her, so therefore he doesn't have to actually pay anything. Nevertheless, once the husband dies, the sons of the wife do get the to inherit the amount of the ketubah, it's not a payout as a ketubah, in other words, it's not a, there's no lien, but rather it's a payout as part of the inheritance, but it takes priority that gets paid first, and only then these, all the sons will uh, share, uh, split evenly whatever is left. So we had a couple of um, questions. Number one, in this case, surely the second wife and her sons get the ketubah. Do, does the first wife get benin dechirin or not? We had an inference, inference that said yes, Rav Asher said no, and then we saw this was actually the subject of a machloket between Tanaim, Ben Anas, and Rabbi Akiva, um, uh, and uh, Rav Yosef is about to say that yes, it is in fact the subject of that machloket. Uh, the second question is, what if there's insufficient funds after you pay the ketuvah, and after you pay the benin dichrin, if there's nothing left, well, we know there's a rule that if when you pay benin dichrin, if there's zero left, then they don't get the benin dichrin because the derabanan law of benin dichrin cannot override the deoraita law of all sons splitting the inheritance equally. Therefore, there has to be at least a dinad left over afterwards. So that would everybody would agree to. The question here is, since there is actually more than enough money for the benin dichrin because part of it was already used for the ketubah, because does the ketubah payout count as a surplus? And therefore, um, the, you'll pay the ketubah, you'll pay the bedin dichrin, and even if there's nothing left after, that's okay, because that that was considered the surplus. Or do we leave it out? The ketubah is a payment of a loan. Then after that, we see, is there enough after the bedin dichrin? If so, they can get it. If not, then they don't get the bedin dichrin, and all the sons get to split it. Once again, there we um, inferred from this from this Mishnah that yes, the ketubah is considered a surplus. Or, or surplus. Although Rav Asher challenged that, and the Rabbah said actually number two is the uh, disagreement between Ben Anas and Tanakama. And now we're going to get to Rav Yosef. Rav Yosef says that the Machloket. Um, was actually about inference number one, and he's going to now double down on that by citing a second baraita. So that's what we are up to. So Rav Yosef, Yosef, that this baraita above with Rabbi Akiva was was discussing whether when there's in this in this exact case when one gets a ketubah does the other um, sons of the first wife get um, the benin dichrin or not that is what they were talking about and furthermore benanas akiva of that braita parallel the following machlok etetanya nasa et harishona umeta nasa tashniya umet hu ba'in banaha shelzo la'achar mita ve'notlin ketubat iman just a word of intro we're going to see a few different explanations of this paraita so just be prepared to remember the wording here because uh, we it's going to come up we're going to analyze it so a man marries one woman and she dies then he marries a second wife and he dies exactly our case uh, so the uh, the sons of the second wife will come uh, after his death and take the ketuvah of their mother. That's the payment of the ketuvah, the actual ketuvah for the second wife. And that's all. Tanakama doesn't say anything else. He stops there. So the implication we're going to say at first is, it sounds like he doesn't pay the benin dichrin. 
Rabbi Shimon, although that's not explicit here. Rabbi Shimon Omer, Im yesh motar dinar, Elo notin kitubat iman, Elo notin kitubat iman, Vim lav holkin b'shaveh. Rabbi Shimon says, If there is extra money, an extra dinar, after the payout, then the sons of the second wife will get their mother's ketubah that they're getting as a ketubah payment as with liens. And the sons of the first will get will collect their ketubah, the, their mother's ketubah, that will be as benin dichrin. Uh, but if there is no extra dinar, then the second one will get the, the payout of the ketubah, but the first will not get a benin dichrin, rather they will split everything else that is left over. Okay. Okay, so it seems that um, the Rabbi uh, uh, Shimon is, uh, it seems that Tanakama is not allowing for Benin Dichrin ever. Uh, whereas Rabbi Shimon says, well, as long as there's a dinar, then there can be Benin Dichrin. Although we're going to, that's going to be our first assumption. We're going to see all the way at the end, we're going to actually flip it and say, actually, Tanakama does allow for Benin Dichrin in all cases um, because he'll uh, consider. The, uh, we'll see why. Whereas Rabbi Shimon uh, says, no, only if only under certain circumstances, if there is motar dinar, and it has to be a specific type of money and a specific amount. Okay, so let's see. What is the machloket between these? It seems like Rabbi Shimon thinks that in this, in our case, when uh, one wife died in his lifetime and one died um, uh, after his lifetime, that there is ketubah, there is benin dichrin, umor sabah, that's a bishimon, umor sabah, rachat bechev, rachat bimoto, en lahem ketubat benin dichrin. Whereas Tanakama, who doesn't mention anything about the um, sons of the first wife inheriting, it must be that he thinks that there is no benin dichrin. Remember, the reason was because of fighting. Uh, we don't want the uh, sons here of the first one to say, listen, we got a kid to our payout because our mother was alive when the dad died. Uh, but we're not getting benin dichrin, therefore we don't think you should get benin dichrin either. And it could be that they're, you know, different amounts. And so uh, it will lead to fighting. Whereas if they're all getting benin dichrin, then they're fine. You know, that's fair. Uh, but because they're getting paid in a different way, even though they're both, even though it's both because of the ketubah, this is the actual ketubah, this is only benin dichrin, so lead to fighting. So therefore, uh, Tanakhama here would say no. So that's what Av Yosef proposes, that b- both the, makhlo- the baraita above and the following baraita are all talking about whether you get benin dichrin or not. But we reject this law. In fact, everyone agrees in this Braita that you get Benin Dichrin. What they're arguing here is that, yes, everyone would agree that you, they get Benin Dichrin as long as there is a sur, some surplus. But what is the nature of that surplus? According to Tanak, the Tanakama, uh, the surplus has to be made uh, has to be from land. Uh, if it's movable, that's not considered a surplus. There has to be enough to pay out the benin dichnin with land and one dinar worth of land left over. That's fine. But movables don't count. Whereas Abishimon says even a dinar that's a movable, even cash. That also works. The surplus can be that. Then we reject this too. This is a Mishnah that we're going to see on the bottom of this very page. Uh, that that says according to the Bishimon, even if there is property that does not it cannot be used as a guarantee for a loan, in other words, movable property is not considered a, a surplus. We don't that's not taken into consideration. If you want to have a surplus, there has to be land that land which can be used as a guarantee above and beyond both of the Kituva payments, only if there is some surplus land, then you can uh, you follow the Benin Dichrin. 
you can give out the Bnei Dichrin because there's something left over for the biblical inheritance. And Rabbi Shimon says that. So it's impossible to say that Rabbi Shimon over here in this Baraita thinks that movable is okay. So we're going to come to yet another explanation. So maybe we're talking about lean property. According to Tanakama, who says that there is no benin dichrin payment? Uh, that is because uh, if the, it, we only consider, we're talking about a case where there's no free land, but only land that has a lien on it. And the Tanakhama says free land, land that the uh, father actually, that the inheritance actually has in its possession, that can be considered, and we check that if there's surplus good. Um, but if it's land there that is only has a lien on it, then it's no good. Uh, you can't use that. It's not considered uh, the surplus. Whereas the Bishimon says, um, even if it's land that's there, even if it has a lien on it, that can still be considered surplus and benin dichrin would be paid out. Uh, so let's, does that work? Wait, but that doesn't fit the language with the Braita above. The Braita above says, Rabbi Shimon says, if there is a Motar Dinar. Instead, he should have said, since there is a Motar Dinar. In other words, they, they're arguing about a case where there is some uh, land there, but the land has, has a lien on it. So the very question is, this land that's there, is it considered a motar dinar or not? So the Bishimon shouldn't say, if there is a motar dinar, everyone would agree, if there is a motar dinar, then you get the bindin dichrin. So the Bishimon is saying, since I consider that to be a surplus, then uh, that's why they inherit. So the language doesn't fit the this explanation Rather, a new explanation. The Benaita is talking about where there is a little bit of surplus, but the surplus is less than a dinar. Is that sufficient? Tanakama said, if there is a full dinar or more, that's considered surplus, and then you give benin dichrin. But if it's less than a dinar, even though there is something extra, it's not it's not a significant amount for the biblical law of inheritance. So then, then no, no benin dichrin. says, even if it's a small amount, even less than a dinar, that's still a surplus. That's sufficient to apply the biblical law, and you do give benin dichrin. Again, we say that doesn't fit the words of the Brayta. How to be Shimon Dinar Kamar? He says if she, says if there is a Dinar, so he should have says if there's a little bit. You know, Dinar sounds like he needs the full Dinar. Okay, So maybe we'll reverse it um, and uh, say that actually it's Rabbi Shimon that requires a full Dinar, and so he's saying if there's a full Dinar, then you pay the Benin Dichrin. And Tanakama, who didn't mention anything about a full dinad, they didn't say any. They didn't say any wording about dinad. They would say that um, yes, they, you pay out the second wife, and even if there's just a little bit, you pay the kids of the first wife as well. So this is interesting because Tanakama actually didn't say anything about paying or not paying the first wife. So that's why we can actually uh, reverse their opinions, and that would fit the wording. The problem is, it's not going to fit what's upcoming in the next Mishnah. In the very next Mishnah, they're about to learn the Tanakama there, who we presume is the same as the Tanakama of the uh, of the uh, Baraita above, because uh, they both have Rabbi Shimon in them. Uh, also, it says Dinar. I'll show you here, right here. This is the next Mishnah, and it says Hayashamotar Dinar. So that means that everybody would require would require a full Dinar. Ela, here's the final answer to explain this. We're going to go back to the first two possible answers that we presented above, except that we're going to reverse the opinions. Um, uh, number one, that they disagreed about the surplus in movable property. Can it be movable or not? And now, since we're going to reverse it, it's actually Tanakama that says, uh, movable is okay. 
but uh, Rabbi Shimon says no, it has to be land. And also regarding if the if there is land but it's leaned, Tanakama would say if it's leaned, it's okay. That's called a surplus. So therefore, Tanakama would award the benin dichrin, even if it's only movable property, even if it's land that's leaned. He says, yeah, you give the benin dichrin all the time. And Rabbi Shimon comes and says there has to be motar dinar, meaning he's being more you could say machmir, and uh, having higher requirements, uh, requiring that that dinar be in the form of land that has no lien on it. And only then he would um, allow the benin dichrin to be paid out, pay, paid out. And so that is the final answer that fits best with the wording. Next. After all that discussion, what's the bottom line? Mozutra says the name of Rapapa. The halacha is yes. In the case where a man has two wives, one dies before he dies, and one of the wives dies after he dies, uh, there is going to be benindichrin. They'll pay out the ketuvah. To the, for the second wife, and yes, as long as there's something extra, um, they will they will pay the bin dichrin. Now, what what do you count the ketuvah as extra? Yes, we say yes to that as well. In other words, if we go look back here, these two inferences uh, are both true. Halacha lemaaseh, the bin dichrin is paid out, and even if there's no extra cash after the Kituvah and Benindichrin payment, you still pay the pay out the Benindichrin payment because the Kituvah itself is considered a surplus. That's halacha. We're going to ask a question about this formulation. Says, I understand why you need to tell me that uh, um, the, the first law that there is Ketuva uh, of Benin Dichrin, because if you told me that, and you didn't tell me the uh, that there is motar that the ketuva is considered motar, I would think that yeah, benin dichrin is paid out only if there is extra money after the payment of the ketuva and the benin dichrin. Otherwise, there's no payment. Um, so I understand why you need to tell me that clause. But here's the thing: really, you don't have to tell me. If you told me the first and not the second, then I would say the second is not true. But if both are true, then just tell me the second one. Or just tell me that the kituva is considered a surplus. And I would know on my own. Why Why would you tell me that the kituva is considered a surplus? It's considered a surplus. Therefore, uh, since there is more money left over, and the kituva itself is considered that surplus, therefore you can pay the benin So now it's obvious. I would know on my own that there is a uh, there is a payment of benin dichrin. So why do you have to tell me that halacha is like both? Uh, you could tell me just the second one, and I can infer that. If, if you're telling me that there's always a, a surplus because the ketuvah itself is considered a surplus, therefore you can pay benin dichrin, I would know myself that, yeah, that, that there is a, that you do pay benin dichrin. You don't worry about the fighting. That the second, second sons will say, hey, we got a ketuvah. We didn't get benin dichrin. Why should you get benin dichrin? Uh, so know that that was true. So why do you have to tell me both? Uh, so the answer is, kegon. There is a scenario where you can have the second law apply and not the first. Uh, Here it is. If a man is married to three women, two of them die in his lifetime, and they both have sons. And one of them dies after after he dies, and she has only a daughter. And so that daughter will get the the ketuvah payout because the mother was alive uh, at the time. So when the husband died, he owed the mother, if the payout didn't go to, to the mother, then 
the daughter does have a right to collect that 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 ketuva. Um, uh, but she is not part of the inheritance because she's a girl, and therefore the inheritance will go only to the sons of the other two wives. So in this case, there's no possibility of uh, leading to uh, infighting because uh, you're not going to have a. Uh, she is only getting the the um, uh, the ketuva. She doesn't care about what happens to the rest of the inheritance. She's not going to get a part of it no matter what. And therefore, she's not going to complain and say they shouldn't get benin dikhtin. Uh, and so in such a case, uh, I, I, I would want to know that the, the a surplus, if there are limited funds, and um, if you pay out the ketuvah, then there won't be enough to pay the rest. Well, this would make a difference because the two other, the two wives who have sons, let's say one of them got a thousand uh, in their in their ketuvah, and one of them had five hundred in the ketuvah. So, if there is surplus funds. Uh, then one will get a thousand, one will get five hundred. If there's no surplus, then there will be no benindichrin, and they'll each get seven fifty. So depending on whether we count the kituva to the to the wife who died last um, or not, if we count it as a surplus, then they'll split it a thousand five hundred. If we don't count it and there's not no more funds after all these payments, then they'll split it seven fifty seven fifty. So we have here a case where the second principle applies. We have to know that the ketuvah is considered a surplus. But the first principle does not matter here because there's no possibility of fighting. The uh, girl, the, the daughter here, who gets the ketuvah is not going to be upset at the others, uh, whether they split it or they get the benindichrin, makes no difference to her because she gets the ketuvah and she gets no inheritance no matter what. And therefore, for sure, in this case, there will be benindichrin the first law doesn't apply. Aval achat bechaya vachat bemoto vahad lachar mitayo ledet zacharhi emalachusin suye kamash malan. But if I only had the second law, and so I would know whether it applies to this case, I still may think that in the back, back to the simple case of simple, relatively, of a man who has two eyes, one who dies in his lifetime and one, one after his death and the one that's after his death, well, both of them have male children, then I may, I might have said uh, that there is no benedichrin because of the, of, of, because of quarreling. And that's why uh, the papa has to tell me that the halacha is like the first law, that there is benedichrin, even in a case like this, and the halacha is also the second, like the second inference, that the ketubah is considered a surplus, and that would apply uh, in in both of these cases, but both are important to know because there are cases where one only one applies and not the other. Next Mishnah, Mishaya Nasui Shetenashim Umetu. So this continuation of the um, above, above, Mishnah above, and now here's the next possibility. A man could be married to two women, and they die first. We didn't have this possibility yet. Um, and then he dies afterwards. So in this case, he needs, uh, at the moment that they uh, his wives died, uh, so then he inherits whatever, he inherits them, so he doesn't have to pay anything out. But after he dies, then he has to pay the sons of both of those wives, Ebenin Dichrin. So, so the orphans of the, the, the male orphans of the first and of the second are demanding payment of their mother's ketubah. Here's the thing. There's only sufficient funds for to pay these ketubot and nothing extra. So since there's nothing extra, if they pay out the benin dichrin, uh, let's say the the one one got uh, the kitvav one was a thousand and the other one was five hundred. So and there's only fifteen hundred in the estate altogether. If they give one a thousand and one five hundred, there's zero left over. Then the biblical law of splitting an inheritance will not apply. And we can't have that. The rabbinic law of benin dichrin overrides the deoraita, and therefore we will not apply benin dichrin at all. Instead, both uh, sets of orphans will get 750 each. Now, if there is 1,501, 
Elo notin kitubat iman, ve notin kitubat iman, then one will get 1,000, the other, the sons of the other mother will get 500, and then they'll split the one left over. Imamru yetomim, anachnu ma'alim al nikseh abinu yafeh dinar. Now, here's an interesting claim that let's say the ones who are getting, about to get 1,000, let's say there's only 1,500 altogether, which means that now the people that are going to get 1,000 are only going to get 750. So here's what they do. They inflate the value of something that they're getting uh, out of the from from their father's property. For example, the father had a little piece of land that was worth 100, and they're going to say, you know, what? we consider this to be the to be 101, and that way they receive that instead of 101, and now there's one extra dinar because they really they received 999. They considered a one of the hundred uh, one parcel to be one more than it's worth, and so now there's one dinar left over. Out since there's one dinar left over, we get the binindichrin, we get a thousand, you get five hundred. So they do this in uh, um, this false inflation. iman. I mean, you might think it's their right to do so because they're 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 saying we're okay with taking less than we um than is the than is the real the uh, real evaluation and Shamin we say sorry you can't do that because it's very nice that you you know you want to you want to assess something you're taking for more than it's worth and therefore you're actually getting less sounds like it's nice of you but the other kids are are being harmed from that rather the betin comes they do their own independent appraisal and if they say this is worth just a hundred then it's only worth a hundred and they can't claim it's worth 101. If there are, is there there is potential uh, uh, property there? The property is not actually in the inheritance of the father. So as let's say there is fifteen hundred exactly, but there is uh, accounts receivable. There's something that will fall to them. For example, the um, the grandfather is still alive and he has his own inheritance, and so but they're expecting that oh when he dies then those the grandchildren will inherit not only their father's uh, estate but also their grandfather's estate so it's kind of some incoming uh, money that's incoming can you count that as as a surplus the answer is no right the ones that are da'oi that are potential um, uh, part of the estate are not what's actually there and so they would have to split evenly in such a case Rabbi Shimon Omer says, even if there's cash, there might be a million dollars in cash there, that is not considered surplus. There has to be actually land, something that can be used as a guarantee, uh, above and beyond the payment of the two ketuvot benin in order for anyone to get the benin that's the Mishnah. Tenor Banan. Lazo Elef. Lazo Hamesh Meot. This is the example that I use, is actually from this Baraita. One has a kit, one wife has a kituba worth a thousand. One has one wife has a kituba worth five hundred. If in the estate there's fifteen hundred and one or more, then the sons will get Benin the amount of their mother's kituba. If not, then each get only 750 or you know the uh, if there's only a thousand in the whole estate each get 500 now um, the estate could go up in value or down in value from the time of the father's death and afterwards the uh, the kids uh, uh, technically inherit the estate their father's estate at the time of the father's death but it still may, may take some time for them to get around to actually splitting it. So what if there was 2,000 when, when the father died, um, but they had some, uh, but the, this, the, the land that they had in there depreciated in the meantime. And so uh, by the time they come to actually split it, it's only worth 1,000. Uh, so the halacha is the, there is that we go by the original amount because at the time of the father's death, they're already the uh, kids uh, uh, merited 
the uh, their, their their amount and the ones who were supposed to get the uh, thousand uh, have a right to that thousand and so therefore let's say it was worth two thousand now it's down to five now now it's down to fifteen hundred they'll still split it one thousand and five hundred so you go by the initial um, initial evaluation now but what about the other way around what if at the time of the father's death there was only fifteen hundred, but then it was or less. Uh, but then all of a sudden the land value went up. Uh, so then can we consider that increase now when they come to split it? Well, one one can say, look, there's more here now, right? The one that what was we're going to get a thousand says, look, there's plenty. We can fulfill the biblical law. So can we go by the time of splitting, or we st still have to go by the time of assessment? So here's an interesting story where it's actually happened. Tashima. There was actually this property from this Barasarsur uh, um, at the time of the death. It was uh, less than the amount of the both Kituva payments, um, so they should split evenly. But then it got more after. They came to Rav Amram to settle the question. Rav Amram uh, told the kids who were going to get a thousand, Amalehu zilu payasinhu. Says, listen, it sounds like he's leaning towards following the initial uh, assessment, and according to the initial assessment, there you're only going to get seven fifty. So I am, I suggest that you go appease, make a deal, make a compromise, give them more than uh, their five hundred, and uh, that way, you know, you could maybe still have a little more. Make a compromise because if if you don't do that, then I'm going to end up saying that's going to be 750, 750. Um, uh, you're going to split it evenly, and you're not going to get any more. So, uh, well, it'll be. I mean, it's now it's worth more. So maybe they'll, uh, you know, they'll they'll both get the same amount, whatever it is. But you're not going to get any more. So I suggest you go compromise. But the ones who the the ones who were going to get a thousand said didn't listen to him, and they said no. There's more here now, so we want a bigger share of the pie. And we're not listening to you. So uh, Rav, um, Rav Amram says, if you don't listen to me, I'm going to stick you with a thorn that doesn't draw blood. What's a thorn that doesn't draw blood? He means excommunication because it hurts someone, even though there's no physical harm to their bodies, but it does necessarily, it does uh, still cause them significant social harm. And so Rav Amram, they still wouldn't listen. So Rav Amram said, listen, uh, I, 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 uh, I send this case to Rav Nachman, who was a greater authority, and Rav Nachman would have the, um, the, uh, the weight to, uh, to enforce whatever his opinion was. And Rav, Rav Nachman says, So Nachman's opinion was that just as when there's a lot of money and then it, go, it becomes less, we follow the initial amount and the ones who were going to get a thousand uh, still get more than the ones who were going to get 500. We go by the initial amount. So too, when there's less and it becomes more, the we follow. It's the same formula. So if the, in the first case it means that we split it unevenly, right? The ones that have a thousand get more because at that at the initial point it was more. So too in this case. We don't follow the initial, but we follow the greater amount. We follow the greater amount, whatever it is, and the ones who deserved a thousand will get more than the others. In other words, Rav Nachman overturns the opinion of Ram, Rav Amram, and therefore the sons who were going to get a thousand who actually end up being correct. And they, it was a good thing that they did not listen to Rav Amram, but they went to the uh, Court of Appeals, and Rav Nachman uh, decided in their benefit. Okay, that's how most of Yishonim explain this, although there are some that read it the other way around, that Rav Nachman upheld what Rav Amram said, and he said, uh, just like this, just so to that, meaning we follow the initial amount in both cases. And so when they went to Rav Nachman, they actually lost out on the any benefit they so they should have actually compromised. All right, now we're going to see a whole bunch of interesting cases. Uh, there's a simant a mnemonic to remember them. Okay, try to remember, try remembering the mnemonic, and then maybe you'll be able to actually remember all of the following stories. So here's the first one regarding Elif. 
A certain guy had a creditor with a claim of a thousand dinar against him. In other words, he owed a thousand dollars to someone. This guy, the borrower, also had two mansions. And he had before, after the after he received the loan, um, he uh, and before it was collected, he had he he sold these two mansions, one of them for five hundred, and the other one also for five hundred. It's easier to explain this case if he sold them both to the same person. He sold okay, so he sold both of these um to to uh to the buyer. We'll call him the buyer. Now the lender comes to collect his his loan. And so he goes to the to the borrower. The borrower says, "I have no money." Uh, he says, "Yeah, what about that land? Oh, that land I sold the land. Okay, but the bar, the lender has a lien on the land. So the lender goes to the buyer and he repossesses one of the house, one of the mansions. So that's worth five hundred. Okay, and he, now he came back. The lender came again to collect the other house for the rest of the loan. Right, the lender is owed a thousand dollars, so he wants to re- repossess both of these mansions. However, the buyer doesn't want to give up the mansions. Um, he really likes them, and they're even worth more to to him. So shekal alfe So here's what the buyer does. He takes 1,000 zoos and he goes to the lender. This says, listen, if you want to keep that house and it's worth to you 1,000, then keep it as repayment for the full 1,000 and that, then you can keep it. That's fine. So he's actually inflating the amount, of the, the amount of the mansion. Really, the buyer bought it for just 500. He's saying, listen, if it's worth 1,000 to you, fine, keep it for the full payment. And if it's not worth it to you, and presumably it's not because it was only bought for 500 just before, and here's what you should do. Take the 1,000 cash from me, the buyer says to the lender, and leave the other house too. I want both houses. In other words, the buyer, he really wants to keep, he bought both houses for a reason. He wants them. He wants to live there. And so he says, I'll give you $1,000, and that will be the full payment of your loan, so you're happy, and give me back the the house because I want the house. Uh, So the buyer is willing to do that. Uh, notice that the buyer actually paid twice for them. The buyer paid the um, original seller, right? The borrower. He paid him a thousand dollars, and he's now he's paying another thousand. So for him, you know, it's worth it. Now the buyer will have a right to reap to go back to the borrower. The buyer will have a right to go back to the borrower and say, "Listen, you know, my home, the homes were repossessed. If they were repossessed, he would have to he would have a right to go back and and take them. Or if he paid money, he would go have a right to go back and say, "Hey, you know, I paid your loan. You owe me money." Uh, but at this point. Um, you know, he, he would rather keep the, keep the houses. So here is a case where he is uh, artificially inflating the amount, of the, um, the amount of one of the mansions and saying, is it worth a thousand to you? That's fine, right? Then you keep that for a thousand and I keep uh, my, my house and that's it. You're, you know, we both, you go home. Or if it's not worth a thousand, See, now that you inflate it, now you have more, more bargaining power. If it's not worth a thousand to you, that home, then take this money and then you have to leave your home and give it back to me. Is he, is he allowed to do that? says, this is the same as our Mishnah, where it was not allowed. Remember uh, in our Mishnah, when the orphans whose mother's kituvah was 1,000, and there's only 1,500 altogether in the estate, and the other ones are 500, and that would mean there's not, not sufficient, there's no surplus, so they're going to have to split it. Uh, if the orphans of the 1,000 want to come and say, we inflate this the value of this uh, item that we're taking in, and instead of the being the hundred, we're going to consider it one hundred and one, and therefore there's a dinar left. We say well, you can't do that. You can't uh, inflate the amount of a property so that you can take more. And that seems to be the same as what this uh, buy this um, buyer is doing, inflating so they can get back the 
the the the home. So Rambal Chama wanted to say, sorry, you can't do that. However, Amar Lerava midame hatam itlehu peseda liatme hachamitle peseda. Rava says, no, they're not the same at all. In the case of the Mishnah. There is going to be a loss to the orphans, the orphans who's who have who have only five hundred. Now they should really get have gotten seven fifty and split equal split equal split equally. By doing this, they're only getting um, by, uh, by by doing this. Um, Right, they should have gotten 750, and by in, by increasing the in, inflating the amount of uh, this item, now they're only going to get 500. So you can't do this trick at the expense of someone losing money. But in the case of this buyer and uh, lender, is anybody losing money? Nobody's losing. The alpha yahev, alpha shakel, the lender lent out a thousand, and now he has his cash back. And he gets a thousand back, so he's perfectly happy. And so there's no since no one's losing out anything, it should be perfectly within the buyer's right to say, "Here, take the thousand. You're paid in full, and I'm the buyer. I want my I want the I want the homes that I bought." Okay, good. So uh, that's Rava's answer. Now, last question on this. Now, regarding the tirfa, we write the betin will write. An authorization to repossess the lien property. Um, should the, the this buyer, who's kind of acting as a guarantor because there's a lien on this property, he may very well know. He should know there's a lien on it when he buys it. Uh, so if his this property that he bought is taken or he has to pay. Um, and for for the pay the lender, so he has the right to go back to the buyer and say, "Hey, you know, I paid your loan. I want to be paid back from you." The question is, how much does he deserve to get paid back? Um, because in the meantime, let's assume that the buy that the uh, that the um, lender uh, kept the house. He said, "You know what? I'll take one house. It's worth a thousand to me. I really like this house, and uh, we're good. I'm accepting it a thousand. So really, there was an increase. This this house, this home was bought by the buyer for five hundred, and now it was uh, accepted by the lender." Four thousand. So this doubled in value. So who gets the benefit of that increase in value? Ravina Ahmad Be'alfa. Ravina said that the the uh, borrower has to pay back the buyer one thousand because at the end of the day, uh, it, the home was became worth one thousand. Uh, it was there was a it was. Um, uh, worth one thousand to the lender, he accepted it as payment for one thousand, and so therefore the borrower has to repay the full thousand to the buyer. However, Rav Avira Amar Rav Avira says no; he should only have to pay the initial amount uh, that was that he uh, bought it for. The buyer bought it for five hundred, and now that one home was repossessed. So the so the borrower should say, listen, you know, this was you only bought it for five hundred. I'll repay you your loss, the loss of your original investment, which was five hundred. And so it's not my problem that uh, it became uh, worth more after. So it's actually the borrower that uh, that um, benefits from the increase in value in the meantime. So this machloket hilchata and that is the bottom line that the borrower can say, hey, you know, you they repossessed this property. Well, you know, you only paid me five hundred for it, so I only have to pay you five hundred back. Um, okay, so the borrower here has a good deal because the borrower owed a thousand dollars, and now he only has to pay five hundred, and he's clear. So the borrower benefits from the increase in value. All right, so that's all one story. We're gonna have another story that's almost exactly the same as the first, with all the same discussion, uh, just slightly different amounts and slightly different case. A guy owed the borrower owed a hundred dollars. Havule le tere kitine dada. He had two small pieces of land. He sold these two pieces of land for fifty each. And so now he owes a hundred, but there's he has land that he sold that's also worth a hundred. The lender wants to re, wants to collect his loan. The borrower has no money, so the lender goes to the buyer 
because oh, there's a lien on that property, he takes he takes one piece of land, and then he comes back to take the other piece of land, so then he'll have a hundred. Shekal me'azuzeh. But the buyer, he doesn't want to give up both pieces of land, and so he takes a hundred azuz of cash, kazilagabe, goes to the lender. If you want to keep that land and consider it worth a hundred and be paid in full, that's fine. Then I'll let you keep it. But if not, if it's not worth it to you and you want to be paid in full, then you have to accept this cash and leave the land, give it back to me. I don't want, I don't want it to be repossessed. So does he have a right to do that? Rav Yosef, instead of Rami Bar we had before, in this case it's Rav Yosef that says, it seems to be the same as our Mishnah, and in our Mishnah we did not allow the orphans of the one uh, that were wanted to collect a thousand to inflate an item that they were taking in order uh, to get more so that the other orphans got less. And so, uh, no, we said you can't inflate it. You have to go by the Betin's assessment. So therefore, no, they cannot do that. I said here, before it was Rava, now it's Abaye. So it's not the same. In that case, by one set of orphans inflating, they're causing a loss to the other set of orphans. But here, no one's losing out. The lender, he lent out a hundred, and he's collecting a hundred. So he's happy. He's happy either way. Okay. So therefore, it can be done. This is this is a legal mechanism. The buyer can do this. Now, when the buyer, when we come to write a document for the buyer so he can repossess whatever he lost, to, from the uh, from the borrower, how much would that be? Uh, assuming that the lender accepts the one field for a hundred, so the uh, buyer can come and say, "Hey, I have I had a piece of land repossessed, and at the time of repossession, it was worth." 100 was worth that much to the buyer to the lender and therefore i want i borrower i want you to give me back the i want you to pay me a uh, hundred right i i paid your loan which was a hundred so give me a hundred says no no the borrower can come and say listen i sold you what, what was we possessed one piece of land that one piece of land i sold you for 50 so i'll pay you back the 50 that's all that was repossessed we go by the original amount and that is the halakha only 50. okay next case someone owed a hundred dollar a hundred zoos shecheb and he died in his estate he left a little piece of land worth 50 zoos to his inheritors. So now the the lender, the lender, he wants to get paid a hundred. So he comes to the to the orphans and he says, "What do you have there? Land? I have a lien on that land." He takes he he, possess, he repossesses the land. Now the um, the uh, uh, orphans they have some cash, so they take fifty zoos and they buy the land. It's their ancestral land; they want it, so they buy the land. It's worth fifty zoos. They pay fifty zoos. Now Hadar Katarifla. Now the lender comes to repossess the land again because after all, the lender was worth was owed one hundred, so he repossesses it once. He sells it for 50, but now he still only has 50, he still owed another 50, so he repossesses it again. Uh, and now they're fighting about this, right? Uh, one said, oh, I bought it back. Another says, well, you still owe me another another 50 so I can repossess it. Abaya decides in favor of the lender. And they said, listen, there is a misvah for the orphans to pay uh, to pay the debt of their father. And so when they came with the $50, that's very good. They do have a mitzvah. I'm glad they did that, right? They did the right thing. And so now the first uh, payment, uh, they did a mitzvah. And now the second time that the lender comes uh, to repossess, he has a right to repossess that land so he can get all 100 back. Um, so it's, it's true. If the if they didn't rebuy buy back the land, and then there would be nothing left, so the lender would not be able to go after the orphan's cash because no lien on cash, uh, so he wouldn't get it 
But now that the orphans did a good thing, because they should pay back what the father did, they, uh, the lender still has a lien on the land, and he can collect it a second time. However, this law of Abaye is only true when the orphans just give the money without saying what it's for. Uh, it's, uh, it's only true when they do not, when the orphans do not tell the buyer, the, the lender, that this money is for that that piece of land. But if the orphans come and say, listen, we're giving you this 50 zoos uh, as payment for, for buying that piece of land, then then they remove him. Uh, in other words, in this case, since he, re- he repossessed the first time, fine. Once he repossessed, there's no more lien on it. If he goes and sells it to someone else, right, there's the, the, he repossessed it. So they're coming as buyers as if they were third-party buyers, as long as they say explicitly, we are buying your land, then there's no more lien on it, and he cannot repossess it a second time. But if they don't say anything, they just give him $50, and uh, then they take the land, so the lender can say, oh, the $50 you gave me, that was for a half payment of the loan, but you still owe me another 50 and this land, I still have a lien on it, and he can repossess a second time. So there is a way for the orphans to get the land back without having to uh, and protect themselves from it getting paid, um, repossessed again. Last story. There was a son who sold the right to his mother's kituvah while his mother was alive, which is kind of a chutzpah thing to do. He's saying to the to this buyer, uh, you know, of course, a mother, her, her, she herself, she can sell the right to her kituvah. It's a uh, somewhat risky, so it'll be for less than the face value of the kituvah. Um, but, you know, should she get divorced? Um, or should the husband die while she's alive, then she will receive that payment. She says, I'd rather get some money now, and if the ketuvah gets paid out, then you'll get it. So that is worth a certain amount. So the mother has a right to do that. The son is coming and saying, hey, look, it's uh, somewhat likely that when my mother dies, I will inherit the ketuvah. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sell to you the right of my mother's ketuvah, even though it's not really his now, so he doesn't have a right to sell it. So, but he adds further. The son says, If my mother comes and she objects to the sale, which the mother has a right to do, because the mother can say, I don't want you to sell my ketubah. Um, the son says, I am not going to help you. I'm not going to reimburse you. Right? If the ketubah is worth 1000 and this guy is coming and paying 500 for the right to collect the loan, if the mother comes and says, I object to the sale, uh, and, and then you're not gonna, and therefore you don't get it. In other words, let's say she gets divorced, and she gets the, she gets the, she gets the thousand. And this guy comes and says, "Oh, I bought the right to your kitubah." She says, "What are you talking about? I'm not giving you anything. I didn't agree to that. I'm keeping the money." And so if she objects, the son says, "I'm not going to repay you the five hundred. I'm getting the five hundred, and I have no liability." That's the case. Um, so he, they did that. Let's see what happens. The mother died. She never got divorced. She died. And she never objected uh, during her life. Maybe she didn't even know about it. And now this the, the, the son is going to get the Kituvah payment. So he has a thousand dollars coming him coming to him from the father, and now the guy who bought the right to it says, "Hey, I gave you, I paid you five hundred for the right to collect. Now give me the thousand. But the son he comes and he makes a, a complaint and he objects and says, "Sorry, I never had the right to sell it to you. Therefore, I'm not giving you any, a dollar. I'm not giving you anything. I sold you something that I didn't buy, that I didn't have. I sold you the Brooklyn Bridge. So now you're, you're going to come to collect it." So, uh, um, it wasn't mine to sell you. I'm not. I'm not paying you anything, and I'm not paying you the original amount of what you paid me either, because I told you that I am free from liability. So this case comes. It seems to him that the son stands in the place of his mother, and therefore he has a right to object to the sale, just like the mother would have had a right to object to the sale. So he can be a proxy for his mother. Uh, he's uh, He inherited her, and so he can say, oh, this sale was never valid because my mother never, my, I never owed it 
I never owned it to sell it to you. And my mother could have objected that. I'm, obje I'm, I'm uh, objecting on behalf of my mother. And therefore, that buyer would not get a payout, nor would he get his original investment bank back. He would be out. So Rava says, no, that's not the right law. It's true that he did not uh, make himself responsible for what his for his mother's objection. So he says, if my mother objects, then sorry, you're not going to get the kitva payment, and I'm not giving you money back. He did exempt himself from liability if his mother objects, but he didn't say anything about if he himself objects. And now the mother's dead. He is objecting on his own account, and so he did not guarantee against that. So if he objects, then he will have to pay the money back to that buyer, and so that was the bottom line. Baruch Adonai Le'olam, Amen ve'amen.